And this is Jonah Treeblosser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, made possible by Rotary District 7210. Each week we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. People living by Rotary's motto of service above self. And Jonah, today our special guest is Larry Hertz, ace reporter from the Poughkeepsie Journal. Hi Larry, how are you? Good morning, how are you? Good, good, good. Now, um... You've been with the Poughkeepsie Journal for quite a while. Tell us about a little bit about your background. Yeah, I came to the journal in 1976, 4th of July, 1976. I remember that. I knew it had some significance. uh, I was a sports reporter. Um, I really decided I was working for a weekly paper doing everything, taking pictures, covering Uh crime, covering... In the area for one of the weeklies? In the Rhinebeck? In Rhinebeck. And I did that for a year. I did it for 51 weeks. I know it was 51 weeks because I didn't get any vacation when I left. (laughs) Um, And I covered sports for two years at the Poughkeepsie Journal. You are a good journalist. Can I just jump in here? Because you remember detail, (laughs) facts, and stats. I I have some doubts about whether Larry Hertz really is a journalist because he's not wearing a fedora with the press card in the the band. Remember all the old Superman TV shows? Or big Uh, glasses. Or big glasses. I'm I'm very catty. Oh, with the press. And it had press. Yeah. Press in nope, there. We don't do that anymore, John. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you do. What you do cover is you do cover the courthouse or are kind of known on the street as the crime beat. Right. Yeah. Um, there's two reporters that cover crime as it happens when somebody when a crime happens and when somebody makes an arrest. My job is once somebody is arrested and indicted for the crime and it goes to the court through the court system, then I follow the case through the court system. Do you have a special seat? Dominic Dune has a special seat. Well, you explain who I, Dominic Dune is. Oh, he is a writer. He's an activist, mm-hmm. and he covers um, uh, since he he covers high profile um, murders and things like that. I think mm-hmm. it generated from his daughter right. having been uh, oh, tragically yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. murdered, and, and and he was one of the main people in uh, that covered the O.J. Simpson, for example. Uh, okay. Anyway, he always has a special seat in the courtroom. Yeah, they, well, <laughs> so, when there's no do you, jury, Larry, do you have a special seat? When there's no jury, uh, the judges let me sit in the jury box because it's closer. I can hear better. Is uh, that right? So I sit in the jury box. Um, but obviously, when it's a, covering a trial, as I am right now, I sit in the front row. Uh-huh. Of, oh, okay. Front, so you, no, so no, you can... No special seat. Now, you know, Larry, you've got a tough job because you have to get the facts out to the uh, readership of the Poughkeepsie Journal, a very distinguished and uh, well-respected newspaper in Dutchess County and entire Hudson Valley. But at the same time, there's a, a balance here of trying to protect the defendant's rights and not... Uh, you know, prejudice him uh, in the eyes of the public. How do you balance that? Yeah, uh, well, with a trial, it's pretty easy because you have direct and then you have cross-examination and, and you want to just cover what what the uh, prosecutor, what kind of questions the prosecutor is yeah, asking. Yeah, but what about leading up to the trial? Um, yeah, I try. It's, it's difficult because by definition almost the defense doesn't really want to talk to me. Uh, as a rule, the defense attorneys will just say, you know, my client is innocent, you know, he's, he's, he's you know, uh, and they no don't comment, really, they no don't, yeah, they don't want to comment beyond that. Um, 
the prosecutors, you know, there's all that, as you know, uh, there's a lot of discovery that's um, right that, that the prosecutors provide right away. There's the, you know, the bill. That once somebody's indicted, there's a bill of particulars. Even before that, during an arrest, there's something called an accusatory instrument, and those are things that uh, the the police and the prosecutors lay out. Here's what we think this guy did. And don't don't they they have to disclose a certain amount of that to the defense? Right uh, before the, the trial, uh, before the trial, they have to disclose what they have to to the defense. Um, so all of that discovery uh, that the prosecutor is providing is public, and so I have access to all of that. I always call the defense attorney and and let them know, here's what I have. Would you like to comment um, and give them the opportunity? It's rare that they do. Some, some attorneys more than others will say, um, you know, just sort of a boilerplate statement that my, my client is uh, denying all these allegations and uh, but it's something that you have to, you, you know, you, you have to let the readers know that you've made that attempt, the attempt to, to, get, the to, other to side. get the other side from the defense. Well, attorney. Larry Hertz of the PFC Journal, who has the crime beat. Let's talk a little bit more about your background. Did you have a degree in journalism before you I came majored to in English? At uh, Cornell University, you were an English major. Yes, I was. My father. I didn't was know English, you were in the military. My father was. <laughs> a, <laughs> my father was an English teacher, English professor at Lehigh University. Right. And when I told him I wanted to major in English, I thought he'd be proud of me, and he said, "Well, what could he possibly do with an English?" <laughs> But, uh, That's was what on my the, father said to me. He's a yeah. history professor. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I was on the school newspaper and just really enjoyed, uh, you know, knowing that every day I don't know what I'm going to be doing that day. Right. And I think that's the, the selling point of this job, certainly not, not the money. Mm-hmm. Now, and, uh, writing for the, the uh, Poughkeepsie Journal, the uh, Crime Beat, is that all you've ever done? I said you did some sports reporting, No, I, did, I started the first couple of years I was at the Journal. I was a sports reporter. I covered, uh, actually, a Giant fans might remember the famous fumble when Joe Pisarczyk and Larry okay. Zonka tried to. I, I happen to be an Eagle fan. I normally didn't cover the Giants, but the sports editor said, why don't you go down and cover the Giants-Eagles game? And that was like the most ignominious game that the Giants ever played, probably. Mm. You know, we've had some very big criminal trials here in Dutchess County and some very strange and wonderful personalities. What was the very first big criminal trial you covered as a crime beat reporter for the Poughkeepsie Journal? The first trial, um, there was um, a gentleman by the name of Albert Fentress. Oh, yeah. um, was he killed and cannibalized uh, a teenage boy? That's right, and he comes up for parole and, every so uh, often. Yeah, uh, he was. He was. And this the, was in Dutchess County. This oh, was yeah. in yes. this was the city of Poughkeepsie in 1979. Mm-hmm. And I had just switched I wasn't over to born news. Yet, so I know I'm, yeah. I'm a little behind on the story. I had just switched over to news from uh, from sports, and uh-huh. I covered um, the arrest. And uh, he was found uh, insane and was never prosecuted criminally for it and he was put in a mental institution and so every two years um, he has the right to right. Um, to petition that, that he's been cured and that he should come out. So I've covered from the start of that case uh, right up through now. So you continue? I have continued to follow that, follow follow that the case, case for I have to you know, tell you a funny story. Not, and not that this is a funny story but a, a not involved with the case but a sideline of the case. My wife and I moved up to Red Hook in Dutchess County in 1979 from New York City, and we're unpacking our apartment, and I go down to get the local paper, and there's the oh, screaming, the first thing you the saw. screaming headlines oh, about boy. the Fentress case, and, you're and my thinking, wife I'm says, back to New York. My wife says, what did you bring us to? <laughs> you said it was quiet in the country. <laughs> and uh, some of the other infamous cases that you well, w- worked um, with? Well, I guess we all remember Tawana Brawley, 1987. Right. Oh, yes. I covered that, um, and then 10 years, almost 10 years to the day after... Um, you know, it happened over the Thanksgiving 
weekend when mm-hmm. Tawana said that she had been raped. And then 10 years later, um, Steve Pagonis, who was a, an assistant DA mm-hmm. at the time of the Tawana Brawley case, was accused by Reverend Al Sharpton, Alton Maddox, uh, of, of committing this rape. And so he sued them for slander. Right. And so the, the trial, um, as, you, as you know, Jonah, things take a while to yes, right. wind through the court system. And uh, it was 10 years later, almost to the day, that that trial of, of Sharpton, uh, Maddox, and, and C. Vernon Mason began. And I covered that trial. It was the longest trial I ever covered. It started right, at, right after Thanksgiving. And it ended on July 31st of the following year. Now, I have a question. When something, a big case like that goes to trial, do they meet every day? Are you in court every single day? Or well, are you in court every Tuesday and then you go and you write the the column or you write your report, you file your story the next day? How does it work? No, that trial, I mean, there were days when, because of the histrionics of the, of the uh, people involved, uh, where court was was a, was adjourned because there were um, there was not enough decorum in the courtroom. So there were days, and there were days where motions were filed that had to be decided. So uh, the you know the court proceedings were suspended. But every day, I mean that that case was covered by Radio New Zealand. I was interviewed by CNN. Um, what, BBC. You mean other journalists are interviewing journalists. Well, for that for that case, they wanted to interview me because I was the only local guy who knew who had been there ten years before. Oh, who had I covered yeah, the So previous. you have all the background, right? So they needed to wanted to talk to me about that. And uh, my brother lives in Denmark, and I was being interviewed on BBC, and my brother heard me being interviewed. <laughs> In in, uh, in Copenhagen, but uh, yeah, so that was a very big case, uh, and it, it just went on and on. We were all really sick of it by the time it ended. Now, Larry Hertz of the Poughkeepsie Journal, you said you were an English major. You're not an attorney, are you? So, I mean, do you ever find the legal concepts, uh, you know, foreign or difficult to understand, or yeah, have you observed um, so many cases that you're an old hand at it now? Well, I mean, now uh, thing I have editor, most of the editor, well, almost everybody in the world is younger than I am, but my editors <laughs> are not um, me, you know, and. Um, <laughs> So there's sometimes when I'll make a reference to a Wade notice or a Huntley notice or, or something like that, where um, those are uh, you know legal documents that I have uh, that I, you know I've picked up the basics of it. And the, th- the great thing about being in the courthouse and knowing everybody, I've, you know, I've, I've known most of the lawyers, is that if I don't know something, there's just a lot of people I can ask. Uh, um, there's judges, there's attorneys, and I can say, well, what do you mean by this? You know, it's not difficult. Uh, if I am stuck, if there's something, uh, some motion that's being filed that I don't understand, that, you know, the legal ramifications of it or case law about it or something, it's easy enough to to pick up the phone and ask somebody. And we'll find out more about Larry Hertz and covering uh, famous criminal trials here in the Hudson Valley on behalf of the Poughkeepsie Journal in just a moment. But first, let me remind our listeners they're in tune with Radio Rotary on Hudson Valley Talk Radio and around the world by podcast on iTunes and at www.radiorotary.org. My name is Jonah Trebois, and my co-host is the lovely Sarah O'Connell, our very special guest, Poughkeepsie Journal ace crime reporter Larry Hertz. And Sarah, tell us who brings us Radio Rotary this week. Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is brought to us by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Poughkeepsie, Arlington, Brewster, Cairo, Congress Valley Cottage, Fishkill, Goshen, Highland, Hyde Park, Kingston, and Kingston Sunrise. And we'll be back with more of Radio Rotary after these important messages. Could you dedicate yourself to a worthy cause? Could you go the distance to keep a child healthy? Could you travel the world to help eliminate polio? Could you? A Rotary member could. Rotary continues its efforts to end this crippling disease worldwide, providing children with needed vaccinations. 
All it takes is one person to make a difference. Will you help change the world? For more information, go to rotary.org. Rotary. Humanity in motion. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel. CPAPC is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845-692-9500 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel, your essential partner in business. What would you do if a friend, co-worker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A. L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver. Hudson Valley Talk Radio and online at HudsonValleyTalkRadio.com. Hi, I'm Sarah O'Connell, and I want to welcome you back to this edition of Radio Rotary. I'm joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebowasser, and we are having a fascinating discussion today with Larry Hertz, who is the ace reporter from the Poughkeepsie Journal. I said that for your benefit. The ace crime reporter. (laughs) Yes. He covers the courthouse, uh, known on the street as the crime beat, but he also has another column. Um, We were talking off mic about people being in the criminal justice system, prosecutors, uh, police people, um, that after a while, it, it would be hard not to be affected by that piece of society and the the, the environment that, that you're in and becoming right. jaded or cynical and, you know, what your outlook is on the world in general. Um, and Larry, how do you combat that with well, your other article? Yeah, the column that I write, it only appears once a week on, on Tuesdays. Um, it's about people who make the community better, people who see a need um, to see, who see people who are in trouble and do something about it. And uh, fortunately, selflessly out of the kindness of their heart or, yeah, I mean, there's just, and you know, not for profit agencies where everybody's making uh, virtually no money, but they're in the business because they love, they love what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, They could all be doing, making a lot more money in the private sector doing something else, but this is what they do. And, And I just really admire that. And, Fortunately, I think we're 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 really blessed in the Hudson Valley to have a lot of people who do things like that, and so I don't have a, I never have trouble, you know, t- coming up with ideas for my column. I just, I just see, I see and hear a lot of things, a lot of nice things. And a lot what of day? Are doing. What day does it appear? It's a on, weekly column. Yeah, it's on a weekly day. column. It, it appears on Tuesdays. Tuesdays in the Poughkeepsie Journal. Right, Larry. Let's talk a bit about the future of the newspaper industry. You know, those of us who grew up with newspapers, uh, I remember in the high, in the college and high school, they used to give you. Uh, a cheap subscription to the newspaper of your choice. I still read two newspapers every day, the New York Times and the Poughkeepsie Journal. 
But you hear that uh, the, the new generation, the young people today, are not buying newsprint. They're looking at it online. Um, newspapers are, are going out of business. When I was growing up, New York City had, I think, three or four morning papers, three or four afternoon papers. We had a great chain of uh, weekly papers, uh, the Taconic Press that went out of business, which used to be on. Here's the trivia, folks. Used to be owned by, by the son of the of Wicked work. Witch of the yes. West. Hamilton, Ham, Missouri. Ham, Missouri. Right. Ham yeah. and Helen, great, Missouri. Great actress Margaret Hamilton mm. was her, uh, his father. Uh, she th- lived his mother, in Sharon, Connecticut, by the way. Lovely lady. I met her. But anyway, let's talk about the future of newspaper business. Um, what's happening with newsprint? Well, there's two sides to that. Uh, our circulation of the newsprint version of the Poughkeepsie Journal is declining. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing better than a lot of other papers across the country, but uh, I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't an issue. On the flip side, we just did a survey. We have uh, a, a, a weekly free shopper that we send. We have a magazine that we put out, um, and we have the online product, the, the online stuff, and, and that, that's more work for me because a lot of times when I'm covering a trial, I'll have to file something online at lunchtime and then file something else later in the day for print. So I'm, I'm filing more so stories. So a never-ending never deadline. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sort of like TV and, and, uh, and radio now. You're just rolling. You know, you have a rolling deadline with anything. You know, we bring laptops to events and that kind of thing. But uh, what we found with the last survey that we did is actually more people are accessing us now because we have so many different, they call them platforms in the business. They're actually, you know, just different products that we have. Uh, More people are actually, you know, looking at the Poughkeepsie Journal in one form or another than when we, our circulation was higher. So, I mean, and I don't see my job as any different. And I always tell people they can't out really outsource me because somebody from India can't cover the courthouse. You know, I'm, I'm safe. And my job is essentially the same. And whether it's electronic, and my kids never read newspapers, but they read um, uh, newspapers online. And, I, and so I don't see any real difference. I don't see that, 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 you know, to say the newspapers are declining is to say that the print product yeah. is declining. But I don't think our readership is going down. I don't think um, people's interest in, in local news is going down. But, um, you know, all and all businesses are having you know, difficult economic times now. So, yeah, I think we will see fewer actually printed newspapers in the future, but I think people will still want... Still read the still, news. I don't know. I'm an old-fashioned kind yeah. of guy. I like to feel the Right. Goods. Anybody oh, over 50... Reading things yeah. on screens. Anybody over 50 has that hang-up, and I do too. I read newspapers. I, right. read the, I read the Times. I go buy the New York Times and read it. I don't pop online. The, the other great change, those of us who grew up, uh, you know, with depictions of newspaper men on mo- and movies and on television always have the idea that there's this clicker clatter of all the typewriters the and somebody saying like, copy boy uh-huh. bring this right up and then yeah. the editor the gruff editor says Harry hold page one if you go into yeah. the newsroom Stop of the Poughkeepsie the Journal it's very very quiet like a church it's all just everyone clicking, <laughs> yeah, on, we're the all clicking on the computer we're all on our Macs now yeah. uh, <laughs> no teletype anymore no you, yeah. you wrote his teletype <laughs> Yeah, there was a teletype when I started at the Journal. Yeah, had a yeah. ding, ding, ding. And yeah, my like, first job at yeah. the paper was I was on the sports department. I had to be there at 5 in the morning. We were an afternoon paper. I had to get the sports pages out by 7 in the morning. And the first thing I had to go do was rip that uh, wire copy mm-hmm. off, the, off that machine. That was the first sound I heard every morning at 5 o'clock was that machine. The other concern I have about journalism is that, you know, you're a, a trained, experienced, respected reporter, uh, universally recognized as uh, one of the great reporters in the Hudson Valley. But now with these blogs and the tweets and all this other stuff, anybody can set themselves up 
to rep- report what they think is the news. Uh, well, is it out of control, Larry Hertz? From the it Pacific disturbs Journal? me, uh, and I just I think it's you know there's nothing we can do about it. Um, I was sort of reminded of well, once one time somebody asked Vince McMahon, uh, who runs professional wrestling, you know how many people, uh, what percentage of your of your population do you think thinks wrestling is real? And, and Vince thought for a minute, he said, well, about 5%, and there's nothing you can do about those people. <laughs> um, so there's always going to be people who are going to believe whatever they read. Uh, there, you know, and Now there's so many more opportunities for that. So it is disturbing, but I think in the long run, uh, if you are a credible... If you put out a credible product and you're, you know, you're, you're reliable and in the long run people find out these guys were wrong and you were right, you, you analyze it and, and you, you nailed the story and somebody else hasn't, I don't mind competing against those guys that don't know what they're doing. That's not, you know, competing against other guys that know what they're doing. I really loved competing um, against, there were some reporters at the Middletown Record that I really respected. And I always liked when we covered a trial together because it was really fun to see if I could do a better job on that story. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting issue. Uh, Old courtroom hands, whether they're police officers, prosecutors, defense attorneys, court officers, or like yourself, uh, experienced journalists who cover the crime beat all the time, they'll sit there when the jury goes out on a trial and they'll start not making bets because betting's illegal, of course, but maybe a little <laughs> coffee bet. What do you think? You think he's, uh, they're going to come back guilty, not guilty on how many counts? Have you ever really guessed wrong on a trial? All the time. <laughs> <laughs> the well, one you, thing never, I, you can't control the, the jury. The one thing right? I've learned about juries is, um, and I, I, I'm sure right? every prosecutor will tell you this, uh, you just don't know. And... Um, and then you find out sometimes later the, what, what the way the juries deliberated. There was one case I covered. It was a double murder in front of about 80 witnesses in the city of Poughkeepsie. Um, and these two guys, everybody had essentially corroborated everybody else that they had, they had done this. Uh, there was very little doubt about it. And they were eventually, it was four days of deliberation, and we were all sitting there, what are they talking about? What, you know, what, what are they... What, what could they you know, possibly could they po- have you know, to what, debate? Where is the reasonable doubt here? Yeah. We, we, we hadn't seen it in the trial. And the defense attorney talked to the jurors afterwards, and the first vote they had when they voted the first time was eight to four to acquit these people. Hmm. And then eventually, um, they, were, they were found guilty. So I don't know, group dynamics of a jury... Uh, there's some strong personalities and weak personalities in a jury. Then some people can be swayed, um, and you know that's one thing I've never been party to. Obviously, I get kicked off every jury pool I'm ever uh, <laughs> ever asked to be on. As soon as they find, find out who out I am, what you do. Uh, yeah. They they throw me off. So I, I'd love to be on a jury sometime just to do that. I was to- almost on one for a civil case, uh, but the attorney general was involved in it, and because I had just covered. The uh, the election of that that attorney general. Um, they, they that was a little yeah that. yeah. I would think so, that you would be omitted from that. Reminds me of that uh, John Cusack movie Runaway Jury. Yeah, that is yeah, a right. great that was flick where one man was able to, to, to sway, sway the entire room. Yeah. And P.S. filmed in New Orleans. And when we were um, down for the international conference earlier this year, Jonah, of course, I had to have dinner at Arno's where they filmed <laughs> a lot of that that flick. But um, uh, in in the little time we have left, Larry, what is the most memorable case that you've ever covered? Uh, boy, there's a lot of them. Well, pick one. Memorable. I, I guess um, probably Kendall Francois because uh, how sad it was. He was um, a Poughkeepsie resident who murdered um, eight prostitutes. 
and it was because prostitutes don't have um, you know support groups they don't have support systems and they don't have families very often these people were these these women were being knocked off and there was really no publicity about it you know it was like um, they were going missing um, and nobody cared about them mm-hmm. and ultimately the invisible people yeah they were referred to them as and so when when uh, they finally got this guy um, and the horror of what he had done and how he had buried the bodies in his own house and uh, uh, just the horror of the whole thing and just uh, you know the, that that evil that he would you know that this was something to another human did. being over no and matter over what again their, what their yeah over and over again that, that, he, that he did yeah. this I, I just I remember that stuck with you yeah that's the one that sticks with Sissy. me I think. okay yeah. well Larry Hertz thank you so much for joining us on Radio Rotary thank you for keeping the Hudson Valley informed about what's happening in our courts. And we look forward to having you back sometime. Oh, it was great to be here, Jonah. And thank tell you. us, Sarah, who do we have to thank for bringing us Radio Rotary this week? Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary this week is sponsored by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Millbrook, Newburgh, New Paltz, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Port Jervis, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, and Southern Ulster. For Sarah O'Connell, this is Jonah Trebowasa. Thank you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next week at 9 for another edition of Radio Rotary right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio.